0: Hello, this is Eric Bryant, pastor at Gateway Church in South Austin. If you want more resources, including the notes from this message, go to ericbryant.org. Or to find out more about our community, go to gatewaychurch.com south. Have you ever been around someone who loves you that much? That they care about you, they're willing to lay down their life for you. Do, he, do people hear us saying those kind of things? They may not hear us singing quite like that, but do they hear us saying that we're here for you when you need someone? See, Jesus summarized the message of the scriptures with love God and love people, and serving makes love real. It brings it into the physical realm What if all of us became known as people who were there for others, that cared for others, that served others? What might that do in our city? I like waves. And I grew up getting to visit my grandparents on Lake LBJ. And then years later, after growing up here in Texas, I moved with my wife to California and I picked up surfing, loved to surf, Uh, That's me right there, actually. No, it's not. But here's what's interesting about waves. I mean, a huge, powerful wave is actually made up of many tiny little water molecules, all moving in circles together. And waves grow from from little ripples caused by a steady, consistent breeze blowing across the water. And each little molecule of water doesn't move very far. But energy has been transferred from the wind to the water molecules that move in the circular motion. And the longer that the wind moves across the water, the bigger the wave gets. So what does that have to do with us? Well, nothing, I just love waves. No, actually, it has everything to do with us. See, what I want to be true of us is that God would use us like a big wave of impact for good in our city. Each of us might be just a tiny part, but when together we just follow the Spirit's leading, we follow that wind, we make an impact. Actually, Jesus referred to the Spirit of God like a wind. It says this in John three, the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, when you and I say yes to following God, when we acknowledge that what we need is Jesus' forgiveness and His death on the cross to count for us, in those moments when we begin to follow Him, His Spirit comes to live within us and guide us. And it might take us in different directions. That might even surprise us, but when we follow the Spirit's leading, when we become people of the wind, we can have a tremendous impact. You know, there are people who helped start Gateway over 20 years ago, and what we're experiencing now is because of their faithfulness, their willingness to follow the Spirit. And there were people, a part of that group, that, that lived south and decided to help start this community 12 years ago. And then about 4 years ago we sent 70 people out to start a campus in Central Austin and Gateway Central still is going and meeting in McCallum High School. And last week Buda began a Gateway campus in Buda and we had sent out 70 people. And you know last week 500 people showed up. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that extraordinary? <laughs> But it can be traced back to the people who started our church, to the people who started our campus, to the 70 who were willing to go and start a new campus. Just think of the wave of impact that you are having in places that you may have never even imagined. If all of us can live that kind of life where we're each serving, just doing our part, just serving that one person right in front of us, what kind of impact could we have? Now, there are 5,000 people that attend all of our campuses in Austin. Just think, if, if each of us served one person over the next couple of weeks, we just look for one person to serve, and then another person after that, maybe we served 20 people over the course of this year. That would be 100,000 people just this year being served. Just think of the impact that we could have in our city. But what stops this powerful movement of God? I mean, if it's that easy, if we just all followed the Spirit's leading and just did our part, just served that one person right in front of us, then why doesn't that happen? Why isn't there just this tsunami of kindness flooding our city? Well, there are three things that keep this from happening. One is we don't believe Jesus, even if we believe in Jesus. And two, serving requires sacrifice. And three, we don't make enough time. See, the thing about a, a beautiful city like Austin, a fast-growing city like Austin, is that it can be really easy to assume that everyone has someone taking care of them. But you can be in a fast-growing city like Austin and feel incredibly lonely and isolated. And I'm so glad to be part of a church that's trying to reach all of the city. Right? We have campuses not only in central Austin, we're about to start one for Pflugervillians in Pflugerville. We have a North Campus. We have a South Campus, but We hope to start something in Dripping Springs. And one day, perhaps in West Austin and East Austin. We even care for the Leanderthals in Leander. <laughs> but each of us needs to play our part for that person that's right in front of us. But the first challenge is we don't believe Jesus. Now, neither did his followers. In Mark chapter 10, there's a a story of how after three years, these, these men who'd been living life, seeing Jesus heal people and teach with authority, they, they'd given everything to follow him. They were there with him and, and they still didn't fully understand what was happening. They assumed that Jesus had come to overthrow the Roman government and to be installed as king. And so they began to argue over who would have what position in this new kingdom. Look what happens in Mark 10. Mark 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want, to do, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? See, Jesus is kinder than I am. I have two kids. They're grown up now, you know, 20 and 17. And, but they used to ask me when they were younger, Dad, we want you to do for us whatever we're about to ask you. Have you ever heard that question? Are you in a good mood right now, Dad? You feel like you might say yes to whatever I'm about to ask. See, Jesus was much kinder, right? He could have easily said, what do you think? I'm an idiot? <laughs> you know, like, but instead, he just asked, what is it you want me to do for you? And then they reveal their plan. Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. And when you become king, put us in charge. They want the highest positions of power and authority. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking, Can you drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? You see, Jesus was coming to take upon himself the suffering of humanity. That's the, the drink he was drinking from. He was going to be immersed in the sinful stain of humanity, dying but rising from the dead. He's asking, can you follow me along this path? Naively, they say, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But a sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And then they started to argue and they wanted their place at the table. So then Jesus called them all together and said this, You know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, what was to happen is eventually they would get it. Eventually they would follow this path of a life of sacrifice. But in this moment, they were completely confused. They wanted power. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus did not rebuke them for a desire to be great. He did not rebuke them for wanting to live a significant life. But see, the problem is he was noticing that they saw greatness as something you attain going in the completely wrong direction. They were listening to what the world says. See, our world says greatness comes from moving up, upscale, upwardly mobile, up and to the right, moving up the career ladder. That word up just has a beautiful ring to it. But we don't like the word down. Down is a word for losers. It must be avoided at all costs. It's improper to talk at a party about going down. I mean, could you imagine being at a party Hearing somebody say, oh, congratulations, I heard you were downsized. That's not a good thing in our culture. Downhearted, the down and out, the downtrodden, nobody wants to be a downer. But Jesus is saying, if you want to be great, then you need to move yourself down to become a servant, to become the slave of all, servant of others. Think about that. Jesus is even referring to himself as the son of man. The, the other time that scene in scripture is in Daniel chapter seven. It's the one who was to come and be worthy of worship from all the nations. And he says, the son of man has come to serve. See, Jesus came and demonstrated what genuine love is. It's a person who's willing to lay down their life. but we struggle to believe that what Jesus is saying is true. Because if we did, we would be doing it all the time. Rather than looking to be served, we would be hurrying to serve. What What if Bill Gates, at the height of Microsoft, said to you, if you will become a servant in my kingdom, helping others succeed, but you won't get any pay, recognition, no reward, it'll be hard, Thankless work, and at times it will feel like nobody notices, nobody cares, and you don't matter. But if you will just do this for the next five years, just be the lowest servant in my Microsoft kingdom, I will make you great in the world of Microsoft. I think many of us would say absolutely. I mean, some of us even got emails from Bill Gates years ago and, and believed it, right? Just forward this to 10 people and Bill Gates will pay you some money, right? But see, for some reason, we don't believe that what Jesus is saying is even greater than that. Jesus is promising us something so much greater than a place in a kingdom that comes and go, but a place in his kingdom that lasts forever. Greatness comes by serving. To get there, it's gonna require a reorientation of how we view ourselves. Envisioning ourselves as a servant isn't culturally what we're taught to do. But if you and I ask God to give us a vision for how we should see others as people he wants us to serve, it can begin to change everything. But there's another reason we don't serve. See, serving requires sacrifice, it's hard work. Some of you heard me tell this story before but it was just such a vivid moment in my life. And for those of you who are new, I grew up in Texas, but we went to Seattle, my wife and I, and helped plant a church. And it went quite poorly, to be honest. We had four senior pastors the four years we were there. And I was one of them. I shouldn't have been a pastor yet. I was not ready. And so then we moved to Los Angeles. And, but I'd graduated from seminary, i had been a co-pastor at this church. And I, and I went to one of the pastors saying, hey, I'm ready to help now that we're here uh, I, I want to be a part of Mosaic. And i never forget, he said, would you come early on Sunday? There's, an, there's a, a need we have not been able to meet. I think you could help us with. I thought, wow, that's perfect. So I show up thinking he's going to give me a class he wants me to teach or a group he wants me to start. And instead, he hands me an orange vest. And I was among three other guys. They had vest as well, but they also got walkie-talkies. I did not receive a walkie-talkie. Soon became clear that I was being invited onto the parking team. And he began to explain that now we're in this new location in East Los Angeles. Some of our people have trouble finding a place to park. We've had one of the cars broken into. Could you just serve in the parking lot? I have to admit, in that moment, I was not excited about this great opportunity. I had not studied parking lot ministry in seminary. I felt like this was far beneath what I had to offer but I was standing there wearing a vest, and so I served. And the next week, begrudgingly, I showed up and I did it again, and the next week, again. And after several weeks of doing this, I actually began to enjoy it. Many of you know I'm quite extroverted, and so it was like an opportunity to be the pre-greeter before the greeters. I met everybody in the parking lot, started to invite them to my group. Our group began to grow. We developed friendships with people we've had for now 20 years ever since. And at one point, I was enjoying it so much, I had this realization that I would rather be in the parking lot of a movement than preaching in a dying church. So one day, I was really surprised when we were at a beach baptism, and the senior pastor came up to me and my wife, and he said, you know, I've been wanting to ask you, Eric, there's something, a need we have not been able to meet that we were hoping you could help us with. I thought, uh-oh, what is this gonna be? <laughs> you know? So he invites us into his office and he shares with me and my wife, Deborah, that, that being a part of a multi-ethnic church has certain beauties, but it also can be challenging. We're diverse amongst our kids and we're diverse with our adults, but not with our teenagers. Would you help us with our teens? And I was so confused because I kind of moved out of student ministry a few years before and was surprised he would even ask. And so I, I asked him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm really curious, how did you even come to think of me serving this way? I'd wondered if maybe someone had told him about our experience in Seattle or handed him my resume, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, I see you in the parking lot every single week smiling and serving people. If you could just help our teenagers learn to serve like you're serving, that would be so great. I was so convicted in that moment. If he had known my heart when I first began, he wouldn't want me near kids. (laughs) (laughs) You see, what I've discovered, and this has happened over and over in my life, and you see it happen in the kingdom, God lifts up those who are willing to go down. What what have you seen as beneath you? Because what is beneath you may be the path to get to where God wants you to go There's this beautiful story In the scriptures Where we see this happen Over and over the, the man who led The people of Israel Into the promised land Was not Moses But Joshua In his first Mention in the scriptures You discover that He was not Moses' son He was not his brother He was his assistant Exodus 24 He appears As Moses' aid You see, what happens is in the kingdom, when when you can be trusted as a follower, then you can be trusted with followers. And so what happens is in that moment, God lifts up Joshua and has him lead the people into the promised land. And, And Moses is a tough act to follow. I mean, he had just helped the people find freedom from Egypt and cross through the Red Sea. And so God does this miraculous thing for Joshua and the people. As they entered the promised land, the Jordan River stopped flowing. It was like a mini parting of the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land into the promised land. And the Lord said to Joshua, it says in Joshua 3, today it will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And it was in that moment this miracle took place. And notice how Joshua responds to this miracle. He says this, God did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. See, Joshua chose to point people to the Lord's leadership rather than his. He never proclaimed himself as king of this new kingdom. He was more concerned with building up God's reputation than his own. And this should come as no surprise because he spent years building up Moses rather than pursuing his own interests. See, we see this happen in God's kingdom. Everything is upside down. To become great means to go down, to become a servant of others. And the beautiful thing in that is that Jesus promises us that if we lose our life in serving, that's how we actually find our life. There's this beautiful experience when we become servant hearted we actually become more attractive people we become more the person that we've always wanted to be in fact science has caught up with us and has revealed that that actually when you serve it actually does a lot of good for you the very act of giving back to the community boosts your happiness your health and your sense of well-being kindness is contagious Helping others makes us happy. They did a survey. Americans who de- described themselves as very happy volunteered at least 5.8 hours per month. Teenagers who volunteer have better grades and self image. Older individuals who volunteered for at least 200 hours a year decreased the risk of hypertension by a whopping 40%. Volunteering enhances an individual's overall sense of purpose and identity. So this week, I want you to try something. Just pay attention to how you view people. That person at the restaurant, are they there to serve you, or is it possible God brought you to that table so that somehow you could serve them? Or are you like the people in my family, waiting for a reason not to tip, right? Or... That checker at the grocery store, are they there to serve you? Or, or maybe you're there to serve them with kindness or a compliment or the What's After Life book. That, that person at work, are they there to do your bidding? Or are they there because God wants you to serve them? See, we're invited into this invisible kingdom that's subversive, that goes against what the rest of the world says. Where we love people, we serve people, we're kind to people. How about in your neighborhood? Are there people in your neighborhood that, that God might want you to serve? Maybe you're going to throw a, a Super Bowl party. Don't just invite your friends. Invite some of your neighbors who could become your friend. Or what about here in this church community? Are you just looking to have your needs met? Or are you ready to step in and help us meet the needs of the city? You know, I was a part of a small group once and, and everybody there was, was in a bad place and there was this kind of conversation one night and we realized that if everybody showed up just having to have a, coming to have our needs met, then none of our needs would be met. But if we all showed up asking God, God, would you just use me to serve one person? If we all had a heart to meet the needs of those that came, at least one other person, then not only could we meet the needs of everyone that showed up, we'd have Enough energy to meet the needs of even new people that might come. See, I want you to understand that, that this is not a building. This is a movement that Jesus began 2,000 years ago that we get to be a part of. Now, when I grew up going to church, it was kind of a, 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 the religious thing that you did growing up in Dallas, Fort Worth. And I had this misunderstanding that we came listen to the people sing, give a little bit of money so that the pastor can preach. And the pastors were also the ones doing all the good things out there. And if you had an idea of what he could do, you could let him know by writing it on your little Connect card, right? But what I began to realize as I spent time in the scripture, even as a new believer, is that actually the pastor's jobs were to actually help us serve the city. They're to serve us so that we can be a part of the ministry that God has called us to. And so I want you to to know, that's our heart here too, that your team that's part of Gateway South, our staff is here to serve you as you serve the city. Let me introduce them to you. If you haven't met everybody, I got this new toy this week. There we go. All right, that's John Lee. John Lee is a big LSU fan. So you can imagine what a great week this is. And apparently he likes cats too. Uh, but John is the guy to talk to about groups. If you want to join a new group, if you want to be a part of Alpha, all that starts this week. So find John out at the Connect Spot. Uh, that's me. That's Ricky Echiona. Let's see. Ricky is our student pastor. Let's see. I have a new little... Oh, there he, oh it's a rat. Uh, let's see. Let's do a different one. Here we go. That's Ricky. Uh, this is a cat toy, uh, I'm realizing. Uh, <laughs> Ricky is our... Student pastor, he's out at camp right now. So if you have teenagers or if you wanna serve our students, middle school, high school, he's the one to find and talk to. Sulinda, this is Sulinda, a little smiley face for Sulinda. She serves our children and families with kids so you can find her to serve. You met, you met Jamie earlier little butterfly for her. She's over restore and recovery. And if you want to be a part of that ministry, to be a part of helping others find hope and healing. This is Amber, Amber Andrade. She serves with guest services, the greeters, and people making our tacos. She's the one to find. And then Hannah, you've been hearing her. Yes, you know Hannah. If you can sing or want to learn how to help with production, she's the one to find. But we're here to serve you as you serve the city. As together we become a wave that makes an impact. Do you see yourself as a servant? Do you see yourself as someone others can come to to meet your needs? I wanna point out a passage in Luke chapter nine. What we can do to reorient ourselves is this. Listen to this passage, Luke nine. If anyone would come after me He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. See, what Jesus is saying here is that if you want the life you've always dreamed of, it's not gonna be experienced or discovered in the way you think. It's not trying to grab and gain. It's from giving And serving. And this image that he paints is not a pretty one. This idea of denying yourself and taking up your cross. I mean, in those days, if you were to see someone walking down the road carrying their cross, it was on their way to their execution. The picture he's painting is that every day you and I must be willing to die to our selfish desires. When we say we follow Jesus, if we really want to be great, if we really want to be significant, if we want to be a part of the groundswell of love that changes our city, it means we have to die to ourselves in order to let God live through us, his kindness, his compassion to, come, to flow through us. We need to make ourselves available to God that he might work through us. So let's say you're in that place. You want to be a servant. You're in that place. You're ready to serve others. The challenge is there's a third thing that gets in the way, and that's this. We don't make the time. We're too busy. We have other things that are too pressing. A few weeks ago during our series, Hope for the Nations, we mentioned Dr. King and And the last message that he gave, he referenced the Good Samaritan. And if you know that story, it's it's about a man who was beaten up by robbers and left for dead on the side of the road. And the religious people passed him by and did not help him. But instead, the one person willing to help was a Samaritan, someone from a different ethnicity who was looked down upon. When Jesus shares the story of the Good Samaritan, it's a reminder that we're supposed to be more like that, willing to serve across ethnic lines, socioeconomic lines. We're supposed to be willing to serve someone in need. So a study was done and they wanted to see like how much people would really serve the Good Samaritan. And So they started with seminary students. These are men and women studying to become pastors. And they told them to prepare a message on the Good Samaritan, a message that they would share across the campus. But what these seminary students didn't realize is that between them and the place where they're supposed to speak was someone laying, slumped over, moaning and groaning. It was an actor, but they didn't realize that. But what's interesting is they told these seminary students, you need to go and and share the message on the Good Samaritan. And if they said to that seminary student, you need to hurry, they're waiting for you. 90% of the time, that person would walk right past the moaning, groaning, hurting person. They wanted to go talk about the Good Samaritan, but 90% of the time, they weren't willing to be the Good Samaritan. In fact, apparently, some of the people even stepped over the guy on their way to go share the message. But if instead they said, Hey, you have plenty of time, but why don't you make your way over to share your message? Most of that crowd stopped to help the person. See, some of us are just filling our calendars with far too much. And if we're honest, it's not always productive stuff. I mean, do you really have to watch the next season of that show? I mean, do we really need to binge watch on days other than when it's like 20 degrees outside? What if we were to give up some time on our phone, give up some time on our screens to serve other people, to look for ways to meet the needs of other people? Every Sunday when you come to Gateway, I wanna encourage you to come with this heart. Just pray this prayer. God, show me what you have for me and what you want from me. If every week we come with a, open heart and open mind for what he has for us and open hands open heart for what he wants from us we might be amazed at the way we're able to serve and impact and encourage and what we gain from that every Sunday there's something God has for you every Sunday there's something God is calling you to do we always have a next step and so as we conclude our time together today I want to just pray for us and in that moment as I'm praying would you just ask God to show you what your next step might be let's pray Heavenly Father thank you so much that you love us that you invite us into this mission God would you show us our next step God maybe it's bringing to mind that person that's already in our life that is struggling, that we haven't paused long enough to check in and see how they're doing. God, maybe it's, maybe it's a particular neighbor that we've intended to invite over, we just have gotten too busy to do so. God, maybe it's people that we live with, our roommates, our family, that, that we see them as there to serve us rather than being willing to serve them. God, whatever that next step might be, God, give us the courage so that we might become all you've created us to be because our city needs to become all you've created us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.